Don't let machismo and testosterone and what the world has defined stop us from being honest. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. Revolutionaries, I've been saying that for four years. Can you believe that? Four years. Four years. On January 17th, 2017, sitting in the offices of WBOK with my man Jazz behind the wheels of steels that we would say, my good friend Susan Henry, who brought me on, and my forever producer, Rachel Graham, we started this journey, Revolutionaries, together, having these conversations about men, for men, and the people who love them. And it has been a wonderful, wonderful ride. I'm always stopped and asked, like, tell me about your show. Tell me about you. What is What's Your Revolution? And I'd say I get to talk to dope Black men who are doing dope Black stuff. <laughs> That's what it is, revolutionaries. Over the last four years, I've been able to talk to authors, activists, athletes, actors, all types of people from all walks of life, where they were local New Orleanians talent or they were people who were doing national and international work. It doesn't matter the same. These brothers have been doing amazing work and are influencing who we are as people. And as you know, revolutionaries, I'd say this time and time again, this show is a selfish endeavor. I listen to this show like you do to find the nuggets, to find the tidbits, to find the ways and strategies that I can be the best version of myself. And as my line brother, the, the Dr. Antoine Hickman says, it is a journey to that best version of ourselves. And so I am fortunate to spend this time with you revolutionaries to celebrate four years of what's your revolution. And I thought about how do I, how do I begin this celebration? How do, I, how do I look back to what we've done over the last four years? And I said, I've got to go back to the beginning. I've got to go back to where it all started in a small room. I posted a picture on Instagram and Facebook of me and this brother sitting in that room together, having a robust conversation. Show number one, guest number one, my friend, my friend, Mr. Like Mr. The epitome of what New Orleans is. He is New Orleans. He is the voice of New Orleans. He is the heartbeat of New Orleans. He is the consciousness of New Orleans. And so I said, revolutionaries, I needed to go back to the Oliver Thomas. Oliver, brother, how are you? Man, I mean, I'm, uh, a, well, I'm already light-skinned and I'm rosy in the cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man, just uh, awesome and honored and uh, just appreciate uh, not only your revolution, man, but uh, I appreciate your message and your brotherhood and have been inspired uh, by you since the first time uh, that we met. You know, I, I always like to tell people the car crew way and uh, his revolution is about, it's about building, it's about sustaining, it's about transforming black men. We hear so much about revolution and protest today, but you made black men like me and other black men like and others see that the greatest revolution that, that we have to fight is the one inside our souls and our hearts and our minds and inside our own communities, man. So, I honor being a uh, 
uh, Dr. CC revolutionary, man. And uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm just blessing right now, man, because I got to live up to all that stuff. You <laughs> <said>. <laughs> uh, dear brother, you don't have to live up to anything, man. I am just tremendously grateful for what you bring to our beloved city, uh, what you bring to the voices of black men in New Orleans and across this country. Yeah. It is so interesting, Oliver, that you say this, that the revolution is the revolution. Our greatest revolution is within ourselves. And one yeah. of the things that I have really been trying to do very, very passionately and fervently and consistently this year is to limit the negative thoughts that come in, uh-huh. you know, and it was, it was interesting is that the mind will, the mind, if you ask the question, the mind, it, if you ask yourself a question, the mind will begin to answer the question. Right. But oftentimes our mind, We'll go to these limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough, right? I'm not handsome enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the skills. I don't have enough money. But Oliver, talk about that. Talk about why you say the revolution for us as black men starts within ourselves. And how have you been able to really overcome those limiting beliefs that we can have as black men? Well, we know that most tragedies around civilization, whether they're biblical, times of war, uh, or in nation building or, or, or in aggression against the people that started with attacking or eliminate the man, especially the firstborn male, that child. Uh, that's biblical. Uh, that's also man in, in his lowest points when you talk about his uh, lack of humanity and being uncivilized. But, but also, if you look at from the middle passages to slavery, Jim Crow uh, to black codes, uh, from being in the house or out the house and of favored or not favored by by master, the criminal justice system, uh, the unequal education or access to education for black men, the housing laws that said that uh, her rent would go up if you lived with her, if you earned any income, even though you were still poor. So, yeah, uh, you know, the, the black male, uh, in terms of his uh, identity as a man, uh, even his own spirituality, many would question that if, you know, when you talk, look at the churches and how many of the churches avoid a black men, if you look at uh, uh, the revolution or the one that has to go on inside or that spiritual part of it, well, if God really favored me, why has the world, society, and life been so tough for me? So black men could question that in terms of their faith. Uh, our, uh, in our ability, we talk about the glass ceiling for women. But rarely do we talk about the brick and metal uh, Mm. ceiling that has always been there for black men. And it wasn't a ceiling. uh, It was an albatross. It was a weight. It it, it was a cast, you know. Uh, And it wasn't above your head. It was right on your neck. George Floyd wasn't the first time uh, that 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 we experienced a knee on our neck. It was the first time the world saw it. Black men been walking around with a knee uh, on their neck for centuries. So uh, the only way to overcome that is is in spite of. And I think Doc, what you have always done, man, which is the the glory of you, man. Uh, you know, a folk who know you know you can make a bad day feel good and a rainy day feel like it's sunlight. Is to know that in spite of that. Right. That knee may be on my neck, that weight may be around my shoulders, that 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 albatross that you placed around my head. I'm going to function and get up in spite of it. 
And I'm going to be strong enough that for my woman, for my family, for my community, for my culture, that even though you may place it on me in terms of public policy and limited access to resources, where I can live and where I can work, I'm going to be my best anyway. And the only way you can do that level of lifting is to do it inside so that when you walk outside, they don't see no bended knee. They don't see no bold about head, but that they see us standing straight up in spite of. That's why the work happens inside. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, it, it's interesting that you, you, you resonate, you bring all that to the forefront, that, that knee, that knee. And I'm going to say that again, revolutionaries, that knee, what we saw in 2020, what we saw with George Floyd's neck was the, the illumination, as, as our good brother O.T. says, the illumination of what has been on us for so long and we've had to be resilient. That's right. And so this, this, this cadriness of black men coming together in these forums, in these space, and that's the beautifulness of, of my guest revolutionaries is that OT never, never portrays himself as bigger than the people. And I want you to understand that if you, if you Google Oliver Thomas, New Orleans, the morning show on WBOK, you will never see this brother saying that I'm above the people, that I'm above the fray, that I am, I am better than you. What you will see with Oliver Thomas and what I revere so much is that he will get down in the muck with you, revolutionaries. He will show you his flaws. He will, he will show you the scars and the wounds created by society and even created by himself. And that's the, that's the beauty of Oliver Thomas. And what he's saying is that we revolutionaries, and particularly us as black men, have had things on our neck. But we can overcome them when we come together, when we coalesce and convalesce together. And that's... that's but it's not the muck. Yeah, it's not the muck, uh, Doc. It's the soil. Oh, say it again. Say it again, OT. It's not the muck. It's the soil. And things grow from where? They grow from the soil. From the soil. And anytime a black man survives some dirt, he creates fertile soil. <laughs> We've just been convinced that it's otherwise, man. So, so when I'm down in the muck, I'm down there getting nourished. Amber, there's the nugget. There's the nugget, Amber. You know, we're down there planting. And so for anybody who doesn't, who doesn't get down in the muck with other brothers or sisters, you not, you're not doing much very fertile. As a matter of fact, you're probably sterile because the only way things grow is to get down in the muck, man, because that's the soil, man. So, no, I ain't done. Whenever I'm down with my people, that's only because something's going to grow out uh. of it. And most importantly me in terms of enlightenment and appreciation for our struggle and for, and for who I am. So now, man, I'm, no, I've, it, that's, man, that's the soil, man. And that's where we plant. That's, that's plant, where you brother. plant. That's where these other revolutionary brothers plant. We're not down in the muck, man. We, we in a Delta. We, we, <laughs> we, 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 we in the garden of Eden, the most fertile place that gave life to all that will exist and will ever exist. Mm. Brother, you, you know, OT, you're not supposed to drop the mic so early in the conversation, brother. 
Man, you just got me hyped, man. man I, you know what you do. Look, 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 OT, brother. Look, I, I have to illuminate that for the people. Is that the discomfort being down in the soul? We we are we have been down in the soul, but the growth, the the the, the richness of that OT is what you're saying. Is that that's a, that discomfort in the soul? Because you gotta you gotta break through sometimes. You you you're growing. That soul can be tight. Right. You know. That's right. You have the ability if you keep pushing. If you keep saying that I can. Right. Instead of limiting your beliefs that this soul has not, this soul is not watered enough. No, it's got enough nourishment for you, dear brothers. Right. You can no, it's push wa- through. It's, wa- it's watered with my, it's watered with my sweat mm. and even our ancestors' blood. How much, how much damper and wetter does it need mm. to be? Mm. Mm. That's all. That that is all you need. OT, that, that is all UT. So you hear revolutionaries as, as you're sitting in this discomfort. Remember that you are in the soil, that you are amongst your That's people, right. that you are in the soil and the soil will fertilize your growth. It will give you the nutrients, as OT says, to lift up. And remember, remember as you're growing, right, the most fertile plants are those ones that reach to the other roots on their sides in front of them behind them and attach, right? Attach them that we are stronger together as a people, OT, as, as the, as, <laughs> as we can call OT, the Nostradamus of the time, of our times, dear brother. <laughs> OT, let me ask you this question, dear brother. You know, I've, I've got to ask you, Oliver Thomas, as, as I said, with all of the accolades that I have Stowed upon you in this conversation, but I have to ask you, what is your revolution? Uh, my re- my re- revolution is that the black man uh, revisit himself uh, and not redefine, but reorganize uh, our place in history and that we don't become and that we're no longer an afterthought, that, that we stop the movement to convince our women that we're not needed uh, or wanted, that we remind society that our sweat and our tears and our backs and our lashes built this nation. And that in spite of what's been done for us, uh, black, black excellence is in our graves. Uh, it's in our pain. It's in prison cells. It's in our disappointment, but it's also in our confidence in knowing if we look at history, that the only way we would still be here and the only way we still exist and hold our heads up, even when they're bowed, is because we matter and because we're excellent. And so that revolution for me is to get every black man that ever was through the energy where the ancestors can feel it, every black man that is and every black man that will be to understand that the moment that they're thought of, even before their conception, that there's greatness. Mm. That there's that there's greatness, and and that's that that's that mindset, OT. That when when you come out of the womb, think about that, right? And I'm 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 gonna put this in context for you because as we talked earlier, you said, brother Charles, I've got to pick up my son. I've got to pick up my son. I've got to take him to karate. You you think about the influence that you have on your son. You think about what you just yeah. said, OT, that 
from conception, thinking, thinking about even the act, dear brother, like the potential that I'm going to procreate, that I'm going to be the ability to That's share, right. right? And the procreation, the creation of a child and knowing that right. that child, whether it be boy or girl, that they are going to be great. But you had a son. You had a son, Oti. That's right. And knowing that you have to pour into him. What are you doing now, yeah. right? What are you doing now as a father in those those formative years to make him know wow, that I am great, that my that greatness great, runs great, within yeah. me? Great question. And that's a question that all of us need to ask parents, men and women, but especially men. I keep him in spaces and places, even where people say he doesn't belong or might be over his head. I let him know that if I'm at the bank meeting or if I'm speaking at Loyola Law School, or if I'm talking public policy before a group, that it's a place he belongs in. And that he may not understand the conversation, but he can feel the energy so that later in life when he's presented with that same opportunity of those same surroundings, that he knows he belongs. And I tell folks all the time, man, we continue to talk about places and spaces where black boys and black children don't belong. My son is going to know that if any situation that determines where we live, how we live, and why we live, he doesn't have to be intimidated by it. Whether it's Barack Obama in the room, Warren Buffett in the room, or Dr. Charles Culpro in the room giving a lecture, that he's supposed to be yes. there. That's what I'm that's what I'm doing. That's what we need to be doing, especially with black boys. Yes. Because there are too many there are too many bowed heads and raised brows and looking up under their, their eyelids, man wondering if they fit in, in a society and a world that they created. Dear brother, you, you, you make me think about Charles, Charles Jr. And growing up yes. in that household with my strong mother, Bertha, but my father was the same way. OT, my father made sure that he, yeah. you know, even though I didn't want to go all the time that he, he brought me into rooms you know, Big Charles, as they called it, he brought me into these rooms where there were all of these luminaries that didn't look like him, but he was a luminary himself. And he wanted to make sure that I saw that, that I saw that he could stand, right. that he could stand up when somebody, somebody came out of their mouth the wrong way. You know, it's, it's interesting right. when, you know, even at 92, when he wants to, you know, kick up a little bit, you know, with Alzheimer's, he still wants to kick up. He still wants everybody to know that Charles Corporate is still in the room. And, That's right. you know, that that impact, OT, even on my mother, it is a really interesting thing. And you talk about the, um, our influence as men on our people, on our children, on our loved ones. Right. And even now, as my mother takes care of my father, I see that greatness that my father brought into a room resonate with her, that she emanates that corporate way. That's right. She emanates that corporate right. way when she answers the phone. Hello, this is Bertha Corpru. So people understand even that with that intonation, because it was it was often when this is Charles Corpru. <laughs> and right. we've, we've taken showing up. And, and I, I love that because our boys, OT, as you said, need to feel comfortable no matter how they look. And, you know, New Orleans, you know, back back in New Orleans. You know, our brothers wore hair uh, hairstyles in a different way. They dressed a certain way. They talked a certain way. Say, baby, how you feel? You know what I'm saying? Go T, go T, tattoo. Exactly. 
That's right. But it did not matter. Right. It did not matter because showing up meant that I could that I could be in that room and I was supposed to be in that room. That's right. Too often, brothers, our young brothers say, you know what? Or they're told that you shouldn't be here because you look a certain way. No, young brothers, you hear, right. you hear it. You hear it from my elder OT telling you, make sure you come into the room. As we see our brother Jay-Z and Sean Puffy Combs and LeBron, all these different brothers who are doing a cadre of things. They walk into a room and guess what's happening these days? People are stepping back. That's what we want. That's right. OT, you, you know, I, I want to talk to you about a little bit about swag. You know, we saw our president <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about right. our president, you know, 44. Right. That's right. <laughs> and I'm sure you saw the right. the the inauguration of, of Joe Biden the other day. Yeah. yeah. But what caught right. me, OT, was how Barack and Michelle walked into the space. And I began to think about yeah. what it meant for president two-term president barack obama to walk into space what was that feeling for you when you saw the the former first couple and even barack's like blackboard george swag what did, what did that do for you what did that man. mean for you okay say doc first of all man you're very perceptive right not very many people are talking about that but that's a great question because i saw what you saw you, we saw them command the moment and command the stage. So, and think about how they maintain Michelle and 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 our, and our brother Barack. How they maintained their presence well after the inauguration was over, in terms of greeting and comforting, and the space that they commanded after Joe Biden had been inaugurated already. That the camera and the presence was on them. Yeah. Yes, I saw that just like you did. Yes, that that's black excellence. That's black man. excellence, and that and and that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is black excellence. That, 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 that's a black man who's not president anymore, showing that he's always been presidential. Mm. Always been presidential, and it was really interesting because, <laughs> you know, I, I just I just watched that. I, I watched him. And as a look, as yeah. a black man who, you know, critical of him at, at points and times during his presidency, yeah. but still revered him right. as a man in that position, you know, That's to right. watch to watch him. And you think about this to watch him as a as a person grow, grow into right. leadership. And I, I'm sure that he will tell you, OT, if we if we could sit here with our dear brother when he was. When he walked into the room first as president, he was like, I'm getting the space. I'm getting that feel. You remember the first couple of years as his yeah. presidency. Yeah, absolutely. But eight years absolutely. in office and the toughest, the toughest job in the world, you you grow, you gravitate, right? You you your light becomes yeah. bigger. And what I saw the other day with with President President Barack Obama was this this light that walks into a room and you know that this is black excellence. This is it power. Was still there, man. You saw just what I saw, Doc, in that he commanded the entire event, man. Him and Michelle and the, the people that had to greet him. And I, I'd never seen a former president. Usually this inauguration, you move on. It's all about who was just inaugurated. No, no, that did not happen. <laughs> on the 20th. No. Uh, our brother, our brother was still in charge. Yes. The energy, the energy that he had created 
was still manifesting itself that day and today. Yes. So he, here's the question for you, OT. Okay. As our young brothers out here are, are seeing this, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that you have been in these spaces, that you have walked these hallowed halls of, of politics mm-hmm. and power. Yeah. That you yeah. have you I know Barack. I've been been in this company a, a few times. You know, but I, I'm talking about yeah. you, OT. I, I like I said, you are, yeah. you are a yeah. luminary, you okay. know, and and yeah. mm-hmm. when you walk into a room, OT, people know. And so uh, what I what I'm what I'm equivocating here is that there's that 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 same presence with with you. And so I, I'm a young man right now, you know, and I'm not I'm me, <laughs> clearly not me, but I'm a young man who's looking for examples. I'm looking at Barack. I'm looking at UOT. How do I get to this? What are the things that I have to do as a young man to get to that point where I can feel I can walk into a room and command the presence and be presidential and be the luminary that you and Barack have been able to establish? That's a great question, man. And for everyone who's listening, uh, especially for black men, it's important. It's important moving forward because there's going to be a lot coming at us now. Uh, the opposition is not going to rest. First of all, I learned it from my father. He said, hold your, he says, a little red, a little night watch, <laughs> uh, boy. He said, hold your head up. No matter what you have on, no matter where you are, hold your head up. And then secondly, even in my doubt, because I wasn't always this confident, even though I had my father help me hold my head up. What I, what I had to do was I practiced. I used to practice walking in a room and commanding my space, not because it was about me, but because my father told me to hold my head up and my ancestors required that I held my head up. And so for black men out there, you may not have the confidence that Dr. Corfu and I have, or you may not have been through what Barack and I have been through, but you can condition yourself and manifest an energy about you where you know the responsibility of holding your head up is because you, you know that you're qualified and you know that the ancestors are holding your head up and it's responsible. your responsibility is to hold your head up for the ones who follow you. I had to work at that, Doc. And you know, I've been through some public stuff in my life where I questioned that where I had to go back to those principles, man. But no, it w- was it innate? I don't know that it was innate. I know my father said, hold your head up, you know, but I knew after that I had to practice holding my head up until it was strong enough to no matter whatever happened, it was held up. Mm. Our, our fathers have such a, 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 such a tremendous influence on us one way or the other. Fortunately for us, OT, and, you know, and for those who want to go back to show number one, I, and to hear that story, because you talk at length about your relationship with your father in show number one. So I asked revolutionaries, if you want to know really about that story about OT and his father, please go back to show number one. But as I'm saying, our fathers have a tremendous role on how we have that ability to show up. And I got to watch this man, Charles Corpru Jr. Get dressed up every day, shirt, tie, suit, go to lead organizations, be a principal, CEO, executive director, all these different things. And interestingly enough, how to, how to walk into a room to command that presence. Young brothers and young sisters who are listening to this and everyone who's listening to this, if you, if you, if you haven't had that feeling, right, just lift your head up, right? Just walk into a room 
with your head held high saying, I'm supposed to be here. Bingo. Right? That's right. I'm supposed to be here. And understand, we've heard these situations, fake it till you make it. You don't have to fake it. Just know in your mind, I'm supposed to be here. And in knowing that you're not limiting yourselves in the beliefs and you will actually show up differently. Dear brother, I look, I look, dear brother, I hear, I hear a little play, little, little play in the background. You must have gotten your son. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a little man now, and uh, that's my little buddy, man. I, I, I actually, uh, man, I enjoy spending the, the time with him. Uh, my father sacrificed a lot of his life to spend time with us, especially as we got involved in, as we got older, we got involved in sports, and uh, we got involved in other activity. And I, I think it's the responsibility of the black man, man, to uh, to be, you know, to really post up uh, for our children, especially today. You know, only 37 percent of our kids grow up in a household with a responsible adult. What? So you know, that's it. You know, and that's not our history. Uh, the world has convinced us that we come from broken families. It doesn't mean you couldn't make it being from, from a broken family. But the late Dr. Mara Sefak just reminded me that in, in 1890. 84% of our households had a male and female head of household. During the Great Depression, it was 81%. Today, you know, so even the excuse that I didn't have a job and I wasn't economically stable during the Depression and during 18, that didn't stop us from maintaining and being with our families, you know. And I, I'll never forget, the, uh, my father could, was a proud black man who was a victim of racism in the South and discrimination. And he could be impossible at some times. But I'll never forget asking my mom once, uh, Doc, you know, why she put up with him because he was being impossible. He was, dic- he was, a, he, he, my dad used to say, I'm a dictator for your benefit, and kids don't always agree with that. Mm. So one day I asked my mom why she put up with him when he could be so demanding sometimes. And she said, Well, wh- why would you ask me that? She says, I don't put up with him because of me. She says, We deal with each other because of us. Mm. And I was like, Wow. Okay. Well, well, now I see why black men and black women stay together sometimes in, in spite of themselves, but because of themselves and because of us. Yeah. Uh, we we got to get back to we that. We got to get back to that. It's interesting, OT, you say that because I, 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 I very rarely talk about my parents' relationships, uh, relationship mm-hmm. on the show. And right. they have been married. This will be their... OT, this will be their 56th year together. Imagine wow. that. 56 years. And, you know, it, it is very interesting to, to, to know that I have been, in 50 of those years I have been with them, and I have watched their relationship blossom and right. to, to blossom and wilt and to blossom and wilt and all of, all of, the, right. all of the things. You know, and so I That's ask right. you this, and I know that our time is running short. OT, but I think it's I mm-hmm. think it's critical for us. You know, we we always often talk about the professional accolades. We talk about our physical and mental uh, health here. But I think that the the question I want, I really would love your advice on, and that's that's what I want, right? This this is Charles asking OT. You know, a, a, as a man who is you know who has developed and and come through life and has been through a number of things, you show up for your partner, right? You show up for your wife, your, what, what 
advice would you give us, right, uh, to to show up in a, as our best selves in our relationships with whoever we date? How would how do we show up as the best version of ourselves? Man, that is absolutely a great question. Uh, not just for black men, but for, for every man, but especially black men. And that is to do the work that we started out talking about in the beginning. Uh, your heart, your soul, uh, creating the type of energy where you're comfortable with uh, the man that you are, no matter what your profession, uh, no matter what your status, do that first. And then secondly, don't let uh, machismo and testosterone and what the world has defined stop us from being honest in terms of our feelings, our strength, our frailties, our likes and our dislikes. Uh, we have created images uh, that none of us can live up to. Uh, and they're not soulful and they're not heartfelt. I think that if every black man gets there, then you not only connect with yourself, uh, you not only connect with the universe, but you connect with your woman. How honest are we really in terms of who we are, the type of man we are, based on the type of image society has said that we should be? And I think when we can deal with that and deal with our truth, uh, our women will not only trust us more, uh, they will be less suspicious of us. And in a godly and spiritual way, there would be no hesitation about them submitting to us as men of God. Mm. OT, I, you know, if you could see me, brother, there, there, there have been moments when I had to wipe, I, I kind of had to wipe a little tear away <laughs> to your brother. Um, as you're, as you're, as you're saying this, you know, I, I'm thinking about the, the, my own revolution. I'm thinking about the revolution that happened to me uh, a number of years ago when I got out of that space of dishonesty, when I got out of that space of, you know, using deceptiveness as, you know, the mode of how I was going to engage when it came to women. And I tell everybody all this yeah. all the time. When I started being honest with myself, what I wanted, mm -hmm. how, how I wanted it, where I wanted it, who I wanted to be with, when I wanted to be with them, to be very honest about that, right? Knowing that I had been right. socialized for so long, OT, to deny, to you, right. die, to hide, don't say what you really, That's really right. want, you know, have That's this right. over there you know, be okay with this, have one foot here, have another foot over there. Right. Look, maybe have your drawers over here, whatever, right? That's right. We were trained in deception. We were trained. Thank you, OT, because, you know, we were trained in deception. Once I realized, yeah. OT, that I could just be honest, it yeah. opened up another world for me. And I, and I and it's funny because I would look around and it's like you're you're telling me that all I needed to tell you was the truth. Like, are you kidding me? Something as simple yeah. as as just being honest with you means that this <laughs> whole ahead. smorgasbord of things now opens up, OT. But that's right. Because I've been I was trained in deception, exactly. right? I thought this was okay, and then you look back and you see the carnage, OT. You see the carnage, you see, you see the bodies that you have just stepped over, that you have crashed, that, that have burned, that have given you, tried to give you life, but all you did was destroy them because of being trained in deception. Oh, OT, you, 
you have dropped it today. It changed, though, T. And I want, I want, I want my young brothers to understand this because it's interesting now when I listen to men talk about their exploits, their deception, and being on the other side. I'm not one to judge you, dear brothers. So let me put that out here. I'm not one to judge you at all because I know I was there with you. But OT, there's a feeling like I'm looking at you like you're gonna there's a holy grail out there. And once you realize what that grail is, your life is going to change. But you're going to have to get there. And I can't show you this because you're not going to believe me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely correct. I was talking to someone the other day about those moments in life. You know, as a matter of fact, we were, uh, it was a segment on the show. And, and my co-host, Professor, and I, uh, we were talking about moments and how some people, how everybody needs a moment yes. to figure it out, uh, whether it's them being born again, uh, recalculating or recalibrating success, or finding their own significance, you know, in terms of how, who and how, and, and, and what and where, and where they matter. That moment is going to happen. Yes. The, the, the issue is, do you get it the first time? Or does it take other times and moments for you to get it if you ever do get it. Yeah. The problem with it is if you don't get it early, maybe the first couple of times you have that moment and that realization is, I tell folk all the time for the uh, pastors uh, who like to play with people's souls and tell them it's okay as long as you're on the way to heaven. Well, a lot of things can happen on the way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things can happen on the way. So the sooner you can get it, you don't have to be on your way uh, because you would have been on your way and you would have gotten there already. So uh, I would tell brothers, man, that uh, that moment of enlightenment when, when you feel uh, like you, you know we've been programmed in terms of deception. Now, we talk about our women all the time and what the eyelashes and the hair and what they wear and what they have to wear and how they fit and do all of that. Well, that's, in, that's basically a counter to what we've demanded and expected because of our lack of honesty in terms of, in terms of the image we've created that we've said is acceptable to that guy, that, we've, that front man that we've created. Mm -hmm. yes. So in their most, how, how many women we know that you're already in love with her, but she can't uh, stand for you to see her in her most natural mm -hmm. state. You already live with her. You're married to her. <laughs> But, 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 but today, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing she does is turn away because you can't see me like that. Well, we've helped create. Yeah. That. OT, that is. We, we've helped create this because you're right. We have we have reinforced on them through our own deception. That you've got to that you've got to show up a certain way for me to just be a part of this. What we need to say, revolutionaries. What we need to say, men, is that I will take you off the shelf. That's the honesty of it. I will take you off the shelf. The truest form of honesty is when you can look at your partner, you can look at your person, and say, mm -hmm. "I'm with you. I see you. This is us." That's right. This is us. And 
the most loving of relationships. And fortunately, after 56 years, I get to see that even now, OT, with a man with Alzheimer's <laughs> and a mother who's a caregiver, I watch my father sing happy birthday to him, my mother. And in the moment of him singing happy birthday, she sung back to him. And this chorus of oh. love comes together. And you want to talk about two people who see each other, who say every day, I am with you, that this is us. It is Charles and Bertha Corporal. You know, after 56 years of marriage, of, of blooming and wilting and blooming and wilting, 56 years of saying, I see you, I'm with you, this is us. Brothers, I, I, I tell you, as you think about honesty and you, you want to look at someone who has poured himself out into the world and shown the most vulnerable sides of himself, the most honest self, the self that it says that I have been down here in the soil, <laughs> that I have been down here in the soil, right? Look, soaking up all of these nutrients of life. Right. And some of those nutrients have been harder than others. But guess what? When I permeate this soil, OT, <laughs> you got me preaching a little bit tonight. When I permeate soil, I promise you, I will be the best version of myself. I will be the most That's honest right. and forthright version of myself, revolutionaries. That's right. No doubt about Dear it. Brother. And that's the, that's the Dr. Charles Carpool. <laughs> and that's the only way to go because that's what your revolution. That's the revolution. Ultimately. That is the revolution. What you have heard tonight is, as I said, the consciousness, right? The heartbeat, the intellect, the voice of New Orleans. It has been a beacon of light since I was in New Orleans, since I was able to able to sit and break bread and to listen to this brother. It has been four years since he sat on my show and 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 breathed life into this revolution. Did you hear what I said? He breathed life into this revolution. And so for that OT Oliver Thomas, I am grateful. I am grateful for you. I am grateful for what you have done for me as a man, as a black man, as a host of a a podcast and show Thank that you. I get to look on the other side and see a model of a man that I have aspired to be. And so I am grateful for you, dear brother. And I know my revolutionaries will be grateful for this conversation because they can look back at show number one and they can look at the four year anniversary. And so like, damn, this brother brings it. And so I am grateful for you, OT. Man, thank you for uh, rediscovering black men so that we would never lose ourselves again. Mm. I love you, brother. I love you, you, and all the other, and other revolutionaries out there, man. Thank you. Appreciate you guys, man. Look forward to the next time, good brother. Def- definitely. And you keep doing what you're doing. Please make sure if you have a chance, check him out every morning on WBOK.com. This brother. 1230 AM. 1230 AM. 1230.com. No doubt about there it. There you go. You can hear OT in the morning with look with the great political insights, the understanding of New Orleans, the, the lifeblood. So make sure that you check him out. And revolutionaries, we will continue celebrating our four-year anniversary with some surprise guests, some of my favorite guests that I have been able to interview over the last four years. I look forward to four more years with you. It sounds a little bit presidential, as we said. We're going to walk into this room and know that it's ours. I look forward to four more years with you. And as always, revolutionaries, I love you. I'm here with you. And I want you to be able to answer what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. 
What's your revolution? Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. What's your revolution? 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 What's your revolution?